Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Baggies broadcast. It's season five, episode 19, um, sponsored by Adoption at Heart. Um, it's been another busy week for the Baggies. It started with the FA Cup. Unfortunately, there was no magic. Um, and today it's an action-packed episode. We're going to be looking back at that, looking at a few other points, um, and then looking forward to what is going to be a huge game against QPR on Saturday. Um, delighted to say I'm, as always, joined by West Brom correspondent Joe Massey. Joe, I know Albion fans will remember last week you're, uh, you weren't very up for the cup, um, but how are you at the moment? You know, Albion had a go Saturday, but, um, you know, unfortunately dropped out of the cup. Um, I wasn't, mate. I wasn't up for the cup. This is a strange podcast this week because I feel like the vast majority of what needed to be said we said last week. So I, I suggest a lot of people just listen back to last week. But this one, we'll make it. We'll make it good as well, won't we? Um, but yes, mate. I was not up for the cup. You're absolutely right. Um, I'm sort of not a massive. I am a mass, I do love the FA Cup, but I've said a million times. I, I think I, I'm only interested in competitions I believe you can win. Um, so and I don't think Albion can win it. So. Kind of seems like a bit of a waste of time for me. Also, I thought they were going to name a really young, youthful team, um, like they did against Arsenal. They didn't. And I have to admit, ever since Ishmael had his press conference last Friday, when he sort of revealed he was going to name a real strong team, I got a lot more excited about the game. Um, yeah, I think it And in the end, it turned out to be quite a decent cup tie, really. Obviously, we'll get into it later on. But yeah, shame Albion didn't get through in the end. It would have been really nice to go to Tottenham. Um, as I see Brighton yeah. got in the next round. I would have loved to have gone to that stadium because I haven't been yet. But um, not to be, pal, not to be. Focus back on the league. I know. I, I'm t- I was told a couple of years ago, or when the Tottenham Stadium opened, it's got some of the best press facilities in the country. So, yeah, a bit, bit gutted about that one. But uh, but never mind. But, yeah, Albion sort of out of, uh, out of the cup. Um, but we've got loads to talk about, as I said today. Um, we've got FA Cup, QPR. Um, D- Daryl DK again. We'll be talking about him, as we, uh, as we always have been in recent weeks. Um, same with red cards. That's a reoccurring theme, which is uh, which is uh, not a positive. It's very much a negative. Uh, goalkeepers and much, much more. Um, just on a technical point of view, I know I had Joe all have seen it as well. We were talking about it before we started the podcast. We had quite a few Baggies fans saying they couldn't hear me as much as they could hear you, Joe. So I think I've uh, had to turn my sort of internal volume up this week, um, as well as a few technical tweaks. Um, you sound beautiful to me, pal. Thank you very much, pal. Nice of you to say. But we, we, we've had a few... Uh, Technical tweaks beforehand. I've sort of raised my voice, so hopefully um, you Baggies fans will be able to hear me as well as Joe loud and clear this week. Um, so that brings us on to to our first sort of point, really. Look back. We'll, we're going to look back at Brighton. Um, you know, Albion haven't taken the FA Cup too seriously in recent years, it's fair to say. They didn't with the League Cup earlier in the season, as Valerian Ishmael named it, a really weak side. Um, and I think, as you said there, Joe, most fans were expecting that to be the, to be the same this Saturday. Um, and I think that showed with the with the attendance, which we'll come on to in a second. Um, but I think we were all all quite surprised, really, that Albion were as strong as they could be, really. Yeah, I think. We were, I mean, it was clear on on the Friday when Ishmael said he would name his strongest team possibly could. Look, of course, they had four players suspended, didn't they? And um, well, sorry, four players unavailable in terms of two suspensions: Sam Johnson, Alex Mowat, and Matt Clark and Jason Malumbi couldn't play against the parent clubs. Obviously, Daryl DK wasn't going to be involved. While he works on his fitness, so some some big players missing. Obviously, Dar Roche long term injured as well. Um, but those players aside, those players who effectively could not play, Ishmael did go as strong as he possibly could, and it sort of turns out that he's got well a couple of reasons really why. From what I understand, he was really frustrated by the Arsenal performance right at the start of the season. He he wasn't happy to sort of come off come off the field that day, having been beaten six 0 and. Well, there was positives from that game, and and some kids did themselves like they did they did well, like they they they, they put in a performance. They came away with some credit, some of the youngsters. But it wasn't. No one wants to be absolutely spanked in the way Albion were that day. And I know I know that day really frustrated Ishmael. So that was sort of one of the reasons behind this strong team in the FA Cup. I also also and also that Ishmael's got a sort of a a romanticised view of the FA Cup, if if you like. He, yeah. He believes it's a fantastic competition. Obviously, he knows the history of it, the tradition of it. And he also made his debut for Crystal Palace in the competition 24 years ago, um, his first game in English football. So it turns out it was always um, a game he was going to take seriously. Um, yeah, shame. it's a bit of a shame, really. I mean, we've got, we've got to talk about the attendance. We'll get into it, but it's, it's almost a shame that Ishmael's press conference was on the Friday. I mean, it normally is on the Friday for the game. Um but it was only then, really, we found out he was going to go strong because, look, I, I was guilty of it as well. I wrote a piece in the week saying I thought 
it would be a team very similar to the Arsenal game. I was, I was completely wrong. Um, but I think everyone had that assumption based on, first and foremost, the Arsenal game. And secondly, exactly what you said at the start is that kind of over the years, Albion have not not gone full strength in the FA Cup, haven't they? They haven't taken it that seriously. They've been They've been a team that's been either battling to stay in the Premier League, so they felt the need to rest players, or they've been a team competing to get into the Premier League, so they felt the need to rest players. So I think fans sort of have come to expect that, really, expect expect to see a second string in it. And those two factors, the Arsenal game and and and, and the fact that I haven't, haven't taken it as perhaps seriously as they should have in recent years, meant that we were all expecting that team, and it wasn't until Friday, really, that... We found out otherwise. In terms of the games, game itself, I thought for an hour it was a very, it was a really good cup tie. Um, you'd have to say over that hour, both teams had sort of two, I'd say two each chances. The first half, Brighton shaded it in terms of chances created. It was an even game. They had two one on ones. Um, Danny Welbeck, Neil Morpai. Albion had one really opportunity for me. Sort of the ball foul for Livermore in the box. We got it was the, the block was shot. Uh, the, the shot was blocked by Shane Duffy, I think. But I think it was a decent opportunity. Um, now, otherwise, it was very even half. Albion take the lead sort of very early into the second half. Brilliant goal by Callum Robinson from an excellent run from Carlin Grant. And after an hour, it had been very, very even. Um, and it was it was nice to see, really. It was nice to see Albion go toe-to-toe with a Premier League side, a good Premier League side as well. Um, it's amazing because you, you watch the way Brighton st- straight around the balls and there is a big gulf in class, isn't there? You can see it straight away between yeah. the Premier League and Championship teams already. You, you, just the way they move the ball and... The physicality of them, you can you can see that. You could see they were a step up in class, um, but then look after the red card, the game was a it was a procession really. Abbey made a lot of changes. They brought on a lot of kids. It very much looked like um, an under twenty three game, really a Premier League team versus an under twenty three side, which is what it was. And I've got to be honest, I think Brighton were kind of kind to us. I don't think they really got out of second gear. They they got themselves level. They pushed for a winner. All right, it didn't get it in the ninety minutes, but there was there was never any doubt really that they were going to get it in extra time. Um, I don't think anyone really expected the game to go to penalties. And if I'm if I if I'm being honest, I think if Brighton wanted to, I think they would have gone on and got got three, four, or five um, in extra time. But I, I think they were quite kind really. They just sought out the game quite comfortably. Kept the ball, kept possession, didn't give us a sniff. Um, but I think for sixty minutes, it was a, it was a day of positives. Um, it was a, it was a really Albion more than matched a, a Premier League side. It was a very very even contest. But yeah, we're getting to the dismissals, getting to the attendance. But once Kipra was sent off, um, after that, it was just a procession for Brighton, really. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, absolutely, as you said there, we'll touch on the crowd. I know you said there. Um, Sort of Val indicated in his press conference on on Friday that he was going to go strong. That before that you sort of wrote the piece saying he d- you didn't think he was going to. Does that mean we're going to blame Joe Massey for the low attendance? Are you responsible a little bit, Joe? I think I am, mate. I think I am. <laughs> um, no, mate. I just smashed my mug into the microphone. By the way, if anyone was wondering what that strange sound was, um, but yeah, I did. We I think we all expected, it, didn't we? We all expected that he would. Be, I mean, it's, it's based on. I mean, it was an assumption, so you should never yeah, really course. go on an assumption. But it was based on a little bit of sort of past selections based on that Arsenal game in the League Cup and can you read any, can we read any further into it you know I've you know I've seen Albion fans speculate on social media obviously we've seen that some people are unhappy with the way they're playing at the moment you know some people aren't happy with the the manager or you know is it just fans were, it, you know one fan did say you know it was a it was a rubbish day the, the weather was terrible crowds are generally low for the FA Cup anyway um and fans were expected a, a young side um, are, are they the reasons, or, or you know, can we read further into it? Because I think I spent about twenty minutes scouring into the the archives of Albion attendances, um, and I'm under the assumption it was the one of the lowest for quite a few decades. Um, so yeah, can we read any more into that, or or is it just you know the FA Cup's been devalued, weaker team, you know, maybe the weather as well? Yeah, I think it's a it's the lowest FA Cup attendance for over a hundred years. Um, that's that's a fact. It's, I mean, eight eight thousand was staggering. No, I don't think anyone was expecting it to be quite that low. No. Um, and you have got to remember that sort of two thousand of that was were Brighton fans. I mean, they they filled their their section really. They travelled really well. Um, but look, the, the attendance. I almost think it was. It's a strange one, but it was like 
You know, they're saying the perfect storm. I don't know, I don't know what's worse than a storm. What, what, what's worse than a storm? Is there anything know. worse than a storm? A typhoon? I don't know. It was almost like the perfect typhoon then, if you like, <laughs> um, in terms of the attendance. Because I think there's so many reasons why it was down. Um, and that's why, don't get me wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong alarm bells. I think every, every, everyone is going to... Everyone at the club will stand up and take notice of that attendance because of how low it was. Eight thousand is low, but I think there were just so many factors, um, so many factors why it was so low. Starting with the, the 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 very very obvious one, which is it is the FA Cup. No matter what was is going on in the world anywhere, attendances are lower for FA Cup games. It's just as simple as that. That they are. So we, it was never going to be the twenty twenty two thousand it is for a league game. It just wasn't. Um, Reason number one. Reason number two, COVID. Omicron variant, people are concerned about it. The home game before, there was long queues to get in. Now we've got these rules where you have to show your COVID um, pass to get into stadiums. So it's taken people a lot of time um, to get into the Hawthorns at the last home game. For an FA Cup game, is it is it worth it? Not sure it is. Especially if, moving on to point three, you expect it to be a youthful side. You expect it to be a, comp- a game that... If you, if you like Albion aren't going to take seriously, um, which is if, if if we're being honest, that is what we expected. We 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 just were not expecting Ishmael to take it as seriously as he did. Um, so that's another. We've got so we've got general FA Cup malaise, COVID, Omicron variant, queues getting into grounds. We've got expecting it to be a young team. The fact that it was Christmas only just recently. Um, People haven't got a lot, a lot of money. I'm still recovering from Christmas financially. I think everyone need, everyone just thinks, that, do they need to... If you're going to miss a game, you're probably more likely to miss... You're going to miss the FA Cup game, aren't you? You're going to miss an FA Cup game over a league game. I think that's another reason why it went down. You've got... You have got the Ishmael factor. There are some people who are just not entertained by this brand of football. Um, they're not. It's as simple as that. Ishmael does divide opinion on his style of play. There are fans who do not like it, and there are season ticket holders who think, do you know what? Yes, I'll come for a league game. Yes, I'll get behind the team. Yes, I'll support them through thick and thin, no matter what. But I'm not being, I've not been entertained this season, and for this game, I'm going to give it a miss. I'm not going to part with an extra 15 quid to get in the ground. That's that's their right. As we said before, where, like some, pe- some people just aren't going to like Valbor. They're just not going to like it. So if they don't, they don't. And then the other factor is, because I the Harriers were at home, against Reading yeah. and do you know what I know a lot of Albion fans went to that game um, spoken to a couple that were there and they went in the hope they'd see a giant killing and fair play to them they did see a giant killing I mean let's be honest I, I, I was look I was thoroughly entertained for 60-65 minutes at the Hawthorns on Saturday I really was but I'd have probably been more entertained at Agbra um, because it was fantastic um, what they did beating Reading. It was it was amazing, amazing result. So, any Albion fans who went to Agbra instead of the Hawthorns probably made a half decent call, really, didn't they? They like, yeah. you can't blame them in hindsight. I mean, if it turned out to be four or five nil to Reading, it wouldn't have been that great. But they got to see arguably the biggest game of the day. It was that in Cambridge Newcastle. They were the two matches that everyone was talking about on Saturday evening. So. Yeah, I think all the... I mean, look, how many factors in my name there? Six, five, six, seven? I don't know. I don't know how I think many. You've hit, I think you've hit a good ten. It's been about... It's, there's been so many. So I think that's the issue now. There's no point in, like... I don't think we have to press the panic button on Albion's no. attendances. And like, I think there's, there's been so, so much, like... There are so many factors at play at once. Um, I mean, I can't imagine there's been many times when so many factors that have been at play, especially when you throw in a, a global pandemic. I, I've got to say, I do think Albion missed a trick in terms of getting kids in, um, football teams, school. They, they must have known for quite a while that they, they obviously put a ticket offer on. It was £15 for a ticket, for an adult ticket. I think it was £5 for a, a kid's ticket. They did, they, did, they did go some way to lowering the value in, in the hope of enticing people in. But these are the games when... It, it, let's be honest. It was a rubbish cup tie in terms of in terms of who we who we got on paper. Yeah, on paper. Yeah, before the draw was made, you were like Brighton, great. Like, I mean, it's not. It was just it was just a relief. It wasn't in Brighton. Um, <laughs> so it was there was no excitement really around that cup tie. 
So I think that that was the opportunity really. So that's when I don't when you get out, you go to school, you go to local football clubs, you go to I don't know, whatever is that, whatever. There's so many youth facility, youth clubs, whatever it is out there, and you just give them away, really. Um, just give them away um, because a it's just nice to see the ground full. It's horrible to see those empty spaces, and why not attract some more youngsters into the ground? Who knows what will happen? They might come back the following week. Um, it could be the season ticket holders of the future, if you like. So it sounds a bit cheesy, but it's true. It could be. So, yeah, I think they missed the trick slightly. Well, not slightly. I think they missed the trick there. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the overall attendance, I think that, I think there's plenty of reasons why why it was so low. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of interesting points there. I think one of the one of the negatives to come from it is it's give uh, um, the baggy sort of local rivals, fans, some, some cheap digs on on social media it kept them happy for a, for a few hours anyway um but move, moving on from the uh from the attendance um, there were positives to take when they joined as we've already alluded to that you know Albion were well in the game until the red card um just just pulling out some um some individual performances obviously David Button came in goal for, for Sam Johnson um there was probably one sort of harem scare moment when he come tearing out of his his box as a as a sweeper keeper but he made some fine saves and he kept Albion in the game didn't he up until the up until the red really when the Sort of Brighton took over. Yeah, he made some good. He made some really good saves. And that, well, you say two one on ones in the first half, which you just can't. I think if you're watching a Premier League game, if you're watching Premier League teams most weeks, look, chances get missed in the Premier League. They're not. They're, Premier League players are close to being superhuman, but they're not superhuman, so chances do get missed. So I think if you had two one on ones in a half, you can most in most Premier League teams would take at least one of them. Um, but Button stood up to them both. He made good saves from both. He made a really good save at the end. Um, from the lad Mac Allister, two separate words. Well, Alexis McAllister, three parts of his name. I was stunned to find out he was Argentinian. I thought he was from like Dundee or something. With the name Alexis. Well, the second name, I thought maybe his parents went for a sort of quirky first, uh, first good name. Good point. Good point. Good point. <laughs> yeah, he sounds very Scottish, doesn't he? Um, but yeah, he was good. He was good. There was, like you said, there was a few sort of hairy moments when he came dashing out of his goal. Yeah. Um, and you think. I've got a bit of a different take on this. I don't, I don't. I think that's. We've seen Johnson have a few sort of like scary moments as well. He perhaps didn't get as high as Button did. He hasn't. Perhaps he was got basically as high. almost on the halfway line. <laughs> he wasn't far away, was he? I mean, there was one point where he was literally like in the holding midfield role, wasn't he? Like he, he was, he was very, very high up the pitch. But you got to remember that Ishmael demands that of his keepers. Like it, they play with such a high line, and this. There's, everyone uses the term sweeper keeper, but I think with Ishmael, you have to be an extreme sweeper keeper. You you really have to be, and you are under instruction to to dash out and sweep up. So you have to remember it was Button's first game for months. Um, I don't know how. I mean, he played. I don't know how many places games he's played. Actually, it's worth having a look. Obviously, he started the opening game against Bournemouth. I don't even think he even played against Arsenal, did he? And that was Alex Palmer that night. So. Yeah, very minimal amount of appearances. Minimal. So let's have a look. Yeah, yeah, two games, two games a season. Started the championship game at, started the championship opener at Bournemouth and played against Brighton. So you got, I mean, I think you got, we've got to give Button a little bit of time to actually play games under Ishmael and learn exactly when to go and when not to go. Um, I think there was a little bit of eager, over eagerness, shall we say, um, in his performance on Saturday. But in terms of his shot stopping, he was excellent. Um, absolutely excellent. Three really big saves. I thought he had. I thought he had a very good game, really overall. Um, and yeah, it sort of fills your confidence, really, because he is he is going to start the next two matches. Um, Ishmael's made that perfectly clear. Alex Palmer, obviously, he's a good goalkeeper. I mean, he's shown that at Plymouth and he's shown that at Lincoln over the last two seasons. But Button is clearly Ishmael's number two. Um, he will start the next two games, and I think he'll go into those two games with a bit of confidence after that performance on Saturday. Yeah, certainly. And and aside from him, I you know, as someone that I picked out mid game and we were discussing it, weren't we, Joe, that you know, Matt Phillips played down the middle. I thought he was exceptional in the first half. Everything stuck, he played you know, he played with his back to goal. Um you know, his passing was good and he looked a, a bit of a a bit of a threat for Albion. Um on on his return from from injury, I thought he was one of the one of the standout performers for Albion. Yeah, I thought he was really, really good. Real plus, real plus from the game. Um he knitted Albion's front three together, which too often they've just been disjointed and looked like three individuals up there this season. Um, but he was—he made a massive difference, um, a massive, massive difference through the middle. 
he looked really like he'd really he looked like he really missed playing. You could tell he was really really hungry, um, and and to play in that game. And look, he was he was asked about Ishmael was asked about Phillips's performance after the game. Um, I've held on to the quotes actually. I'm putting them out in the paper tomorrow, but I'll read them now. He said he looked, Ishmael said we saw against Brighton that the last five weeks without Phillips, it was very difficult to get something special from the front three. He can keep the ball in the front three. He's able to combine with his teammates and he has quality. Um, he's never played that's come back and given us more options. I mean, it's, it's a pretty glowing sort of assessment, really. He's been a big advocate of Phillips quite from the very start, hasn't he? I know pre-season he played him down the middle quite a bit in the pre-season games, you know, and he's always been a been a big one for Phillips. Yeah, and it feels like it's interesting that he pointed to the last five weeks without him and how how I've been struggled up there without him. So, yeah, it feels... It's a big boost to have him back. Of course, it's, I mean it's a massive boost to have him to have Daryl DK and Phillips back for QPR, um, and it feels like from those comments and just the way Ishmael has spoken about um, Phillips this season. If say everyone was fit, if everyone was in form, if everyone was had sort of five games under their belt and they were in in prime condition, if you like, I think Albion's front three would be Carlin Grant, Daryl DK, and Matt Phillips. I think that would be. I think as as things stand, I think that would be Ishmael's preferred front three. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I, I'd agree with you. It'd be interesting to see what what does happen at at QPR on Saturday. Just just one final uh, point to come from from the Brighton FA Cup defeat. Um, we saw you know two youngsters from the start, uh, Gardner Hickman and, and Fellows, and then a number were brought on off the bench. Uh, Zach Ashworth got quite a considerable amount of playing time. Um, it would have been great if he could get himself on the score sheet, and knock Brighton out with his uh, with his father in a crowd. Um, obviously, the the Brighton technical director, former former Baggies man Dan Ashworth, um, and I know Albion fans for weeks have have been wanting to to see uh, Reyes Cleary after his sort of goal scoring exploits in the under twenty threes. You know, maybe he's not ready um, quite yet for first team action. We saw a, a little glimpse of him at the end. It was quite difficult for him, wasn't it, to to get into the game? But but positives that these youngsters are are being given sort of a, a glimpse in the first team really Joe a, a sign of uh, positive things to come in the future yeah I think so I think it's nice for them isn't it like at the end of the day these kids work hard they, and they need they need a goal and Ishmael's spoken about pathway so much and he wants to build this pathway from the academy to the first team and they just need to get that taste of first team football I think to show that their that their hard work is being rewarded and, and they're not too far away and look it was look we've got to be honest it was it was it was a hard slog for them um I mean, they, uh, Ishmael did make a couple of changes before the before the red card, and I don't think I don't think um, Brighton levelled until the 81st minute. But they had to play a lot of a lot of time against ten men um, against the Premier League side, um, and also they were surrounded by other kids as well. There was a lot of youngsters on the on the field at that time as well. It's not like if, I'm not take, Taylor Garner Hickman's been brilliant this season, but when Taylor Garner Hickman plays. He's not really surrounded by any other youngsters. He's got that experience and yeah. and sort of around him, hasn't he? He's got senior pros around him. Whereas if you've got three or four youngsters all of a sudden, it's a big ask, um, especially when you've got 10 men and you're playing against the Premier League side. So like, I don't think you can read anything into any of their performances, if I'm being honest. Um, it was a, it was a tough slog for them. But the, but the most important thing was, like you said, it was getting that reward of first-team football. It was just Ishmael showing them that, look, you're doing your bit in training. You're working hard. You're pushing. You are in my thoughts. I am willing to play you. Um, and now it's sort of up to them, isn't it, to go away and and kick on and make sure that they're sort of the next Garden Hickman. They're getting involved with with the senior side when 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 you have got sort of eleven senior pros on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll wrap up Brighton there. There is, there is actually another Brighton point that's in our next section. We will look at a few hot topics which are which are floating around. What fans are sort of talking about. Um, stem from Brighton but obviously it's been a problem hasn't it in recent weeks Joe another red card as we've touched on there I think that's 6 in 12 games now uh, I know you know, we were talking after the game on on Saturday that um, Val had said he, he wasn't too worried about it beforehand he was a bit alarmed about it wasn't he after the game you know they're totting up now um, we've seen a few interesting comments from Adam Reach in today's Express and Star um, saying, you know, Albion have got a toe a line because Ishmael wants them to sort of play on the edge and, and play this pressing game, uh, but they need to sort of know where the, where the line is. You know, what what's your opinion on this, Joe? It's obviously worrying. I know some people are trying to sort of lay blame on, you know, it comes from the manager. You know, what what's your what's your take on it? Um, I think Ishmael's take on it, first and foremost, was very interesting. I think 
he said he's at, he said in press conferences before he always wants to protect his players and he will always protect his players um, if he feels they're doing the right things. And, and but sometimes sometimes his answers post game are different to what they are pre game. Um, I think that may, maybe that's the emotion of the game. Maybe it's because yeah. he hasn't had as much yeah. time to sort of think about it. Obviously, for a Friday press conference when we see him. He's briefed beforehand. He probably knows what's going to come up. He's probably had time to think about it on his on his on his way to the training ground. So he's a bit more prepared and obviously less emotional. It's just there hasn't been a game that day. Um, but he was very calm. He was very calm about it last Friday. Obviously, he was asked about the disciplinary issue at that point. It was five red cards in eleven games, which isn't a hell of a lot of red cards. Like that, like it's an awful lot of red cards. Um, so, but he, he was very relaxed. He was very chilled about it. Cut a very relaxed figure. So he wants his players on the edge. He wants his players to be committed. I think he feels like a lot of the, not a lot of them, but some of the red cards have been um, debatable. Um, and he, he was, he was calm. He was, he was, he was, he was perhaps more calm than I expected. I can remember when we spoke to Sam Allardyce when he, well, I think, I think I can't remember someone got, I think it was Jake Livermore got sent off um, in the first game or so, very early on in Allardyce's tenure anyway. And Allardyce basically came out and said, if anyone gets sent off again. That's it. Like, they won't play pretty much. He was. I he don't was, think Livermore played for a little while after that, if I remember right. No, I mean Sam was but... livid about it. Um, absolutely livid. Whereas Ishmael was very different on Friday. Saturday after Kip was red, he was he was different. He was completely different. Really, he, he sort of stressed how much of a problem it is. Um, how he can't carry on like this with playing against ten, playing with ten men. How he's got to have a, a fully fit squad available. He talked about how he feels like for a long, long time now he hasn't been able to pick his strongest team he sort of he actually went back to the start of the season and pointed to that sort of that Bournemouth game and the five games that followed you have to remember Albion drew at Bournemouth on the opening day which is a a, a a very good result really and then they went on to win five in a row and Ishmael sort of effectively said it hasn't been since then really that he's been able to name his strongest side he said they've, been, they've been struck by Covid they've been struck by injuries they've been struck by red cards um, and he said when, he, when he's got a fully fit squad to choose from um, you'll see the results basically that they produce at the start of the season because and he listed a whole host of reasons like A, you just got players available but B also he says it raises a level of training and competition for places and that makes such a big difference so he was, he was very frustrated after, after the game on Saturday um, it's a real it's, it's, yeah it's a, it's a strange one I thought Adam Reach's comments were really really interesting because Reach basically put the blame on the players um, and said he's used the words they've got a toe to lie and, he, and it was a really interesting point he made not one I'd, I'd actually thought of but he said look Ishmael wants us to play with intensity with aggression high press high energy in your faces but he, he effectively said that Albion's players have to learn to balance that better and not be quite so eager at times well, keep their heads better is what he's saying um, but and maybe he thinks that's what that's what's leading to the cards because Albion are so sort of pumped up. They are trying to be so high energy and they are being so aggressive that it's boiling over. And he said that it's up to them when you're when you're on a re- yellow card, sorry, to smarten up a little bit. Um, you could arguably because, say that, that you know that probably applied to Kipper last week. You know, watching it, I thought it was harsh at the time, but watching it back, you know, it was a bit clumsy that second yellow, wasn't it? How he's bundled him over and. In the second half, a referee's probably always going to give that, isn't he? So it's been a bit more street smart, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. Just been a bit, bit, bit more intelligent, really. And I think the keeper, look, keeper one was harsh. There's no doubt he should have been on a yellow card for the first one. Um, but the second one, it's a, a cliche. Everyone says it. Is you just don't, don't give the referee a decision to make. Yeah, like just, of course. just don't. And that's what Reach said basically. Um, just can't give him, can't give him a decision to make. So going to be interesting now 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 that Ishmael has changed tack because to be honest I think sometimes he says a different thing to the press to what he's saying behind the scenes I think he would have been stronger on the disciplinary issue behind the scenes anyway but I think publicly he is the type of manager who wants to protect his players um but now obviously I said he has come out and said no look this is a real issue um we've got a disciplinary problem there's no there's no way to say it really and, and it's got to be sorted out because that game was the prime example really I don't know what would have happened if it was 11 v 11. But Albion had a real chance. Whereas as soon as they went to 10, even though they were 1-0 up, they basically had no chance. Brighton were very, very comfortable from that point. So, got to stop, hasn't it? 
yeah, I think it has. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, Reach saying they've got to sort of toe the line, um, whether they sort of, um, what's the word, sort of rein it in a little bit in terms of aggression. Maybe they'll be, you know, conscious going out there. You know, because I don't think when you go on the pitch before a game, you don't think, oh, I need to not get sent off today. But you know, after six reds, you know that might be might be in the in the in the minds of Albion players now. Yeah, I just think a lot of it is frustration, and it sounds strange, but it feels like with Albion at the minute, all, all roads lead back to Daryl DK, and like the Mowat one the other week would have been frustration. I think Sam Johnston's after the Cardiff game was frustration, frustration that the Derby game, the Cardiff game, the Barnsley game, the lack of goals, Albion not taking the chances, and I think. Everything sort of really does come back to Daradika. I said it. I said it on the podcast last week that he's here to score goals, which is obviously what Albion are crying out for. Like he's, he's, we desperately need goals. But as I said, it, it's not just the, it's not just the number on the scoreboard that changes when the goals go in. The, the, the games completely change. They become more open. Teams are going to have to come out. And I just think everyone. I think there has been a frustration from Albion's players this season that teams. They haven't been able to break teams down. A lot of teams have been really negative against them. That they have sat very deep and they have been frustrated. Let's be look, look. Cardiff frustrated them. Derby frustrated them. Barnsley frustrated them. That, that Ishmael says it a lot. And that teams don't play against them. Um, and I think every that's what's bubbled bubbling along under the surface. Really, Albion's players know they shouldn't be fourth on the table. Albion's players know there shouldn't be the gap there is to the top two. Albion's players know they should have won more games this season. Albion's players know they should have scored more goals this season. Like, they're not... They they want things to be better. They are frustrated. Um, I think in these moments, it's, it's coming out, isn't it? But it all... It's bizarre, but it all stops with... It all, I think it all, it all starts with a few more goals. Um, I think a few more goals leads to more points, more wins, and games becoming a bit more open and a bit more entertaining. So... It's so harsh to say it because it he is twenty one years old, but it just we hope Daryl DK is the man to solve all our problems. This is basically what the podcast was about last week. I said last week I'm only concerned about the QPR game. Because yeah, it just Albion have got to be more clinical up front and I think it will solve so many issues. Um so so many issues. Yeah, I think you're right. And well, obviously, we'll come on to that later. Um, but we'll just rattle through a, a few sort of... Obviously, we're in the January transfer window. Um, DK was the big transfer story last week. Just going to rattle off a few questions, Joe, because we're, uh, we're half an hour in already and we've got still got plenty to talk about. Um, Ishmael talked about Sam Johnson. Hopefully, he'll stay in January. Um, seems like a strange situation, doesn't it? He's suspended now. If Button plays well, he might get a bit of a run. Um, and obviously, Johnson's out of contract in the, in the summer as well. So, uh, an, an interesting situation. Yeah, so Ishmael's obviously asked these questions quite often. So he's been asked about Johnson's future numerous times. I asked him a couple of weeks ago about it. He was asked again at a press conference on Friday. He basically said, look, he, look he, the line hasn't changed, basically. He expects Sam Johnson to stay. He did make a really good point, Ishmael, in the sense that he said, look, if a top club in the Premier League gets, if their keeper gets injured for six months tomorrow, then suddenly they might be tempted to stump up the cash for Sam Johnson. Let's look at Newcastle, for example. I know they've got Carl Darlow as their number two, who's a half-decent goalkeeper. Um, but Dubravnik's their number one, isn't he? And if, if if he did break his arm tomorrow, then they're probably going to want a keeper, aren't they? If he breaks his arm tomorrow, he's coming for you. Um, and then, so who knows? Tottenham, Lloris, I don't know. What if, 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 if Lloris... You just don't know. Um... So that's the concern with January. Anything can happen. A major injury could spark a club into, into the market. But I don't think anyone expects Sam Johnston to go. Um, he's, they expect him to remain at the Hawthorns this season. I think we're all expecting him to go in the summer, let's be honest. like No one's expecting him to stay, really. But for January, I thoroughly expect him to be an Albion player on February the 1st. With the, with the contract situation, Joe, obviously it's going to run down. He's probably going to go on a free, isn't he? Um, is that just, you know what happens when there's interest and there's not much left on a contract you know is it can it be seen as a bit of a clangor from the club or you know these things do happen don't they they do happen yeah I think in hindsight Albion would have wished that, I mean they obviously wish they had him on a longer deal now I think with Johnson a lot of it is timing um, I mean he just was so good last season um, when he only had two years left and it immediately generated a lot of interest in him I think if you look at where Albion were under Billich in the season we went up, don't get me wrong, Sam Johnston was still widely seen as one of the best goalkeepers in the championship. But I don't think there was a club, 
I don't know if there'd be a, like a queue of clubs in the Premier League desperate to sign him. He then went to the Premier League, did so well, but it turns out that that one year he did well coincides with him then entering the last year of his contract. So, and you got to remember, look, that Ishmael said the first press conference he was Albion manager. He expected Johnson to leave last summer. Everyone expected Johnson to leave last summer. He was, he was, he was. Everyone just thought he had such a good season in the Premier League, and Albion were going to cash in. There was, it, it felt like the right time, really, but no one bid, with the, with the exception of West Ham, um, who bid six million pounds, which was a derisory offer, really. No one, no one came in for him, so there, there was no one in the market for a keeper last summer. So it's a bit. Look, Albion, I don't know, it's hard, it's hard to say. When I, I don't know what I can't remember when Johnson signed his deal, but it felt like a fair deal at the time, the, the amount of years that were being offered. But I think the combination of him having an outstanding Premier League season just as he's about to go into the final year in his contract and and the fact that no Premier League clubs last year, year were really in the market for a keeper, I just think those two things combined have led to this situation, really. Sometimes like not. Sometimes you don't have to like blame people. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not always like someone's fault. Some like sometimes this is why just things play out. I just think that's what's happened. They do happen, don't they? They do happen in football, don't they? These uh, these situations. But on um, just finally on on transfer news. Obviously, it's gone quite quiet since DK. You know, as we said last week, probably going to have to be outgoings to be ingoings if Albion are going to bring any more in. Um, Just a couple of points. Callum Morton, we spoke about on Saturday. You know, we put a story out that. He's sort of getting ready to go out on a second second loan deal. Was, was there any chance he might have stuck around, Joe, with obviously Albion struggling in front of goal? Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't appear so. So, uh, I mean, from what we gather, he's going to a championship club any day now. We've, I mean, to be honest, I thought it would have already been done by now. But, yeah, the understanding is he's, going, he's got a championship loan. Peterborough heavily linked. We expect him to go there. It feels right for Callum Morton to go on loan into the to a championship club now. It feels like the natural next progression for him. Seven goals and 22 games for Fleetwood this season. Um, that's his brilliant, that's his opportunity for me. The low move is get out there, show what you can do. And then depending on what league, if Albion are in the championship next season, then you'd like to think he'll do do well enough to be involved. But yeah, what I understand is that Albion's players do come, the loan players do come back. They come back quite often. Um, so just to train and well, it's almost like not weekly but every couple of weeks monthly maybe they'll come back and train with the first team as well as doing whatever they're doing at their parent clubs at, the, at their loan club so Ishmael will have had a look at Morton in training this season um, but they, it feels like they feel like a, a loan move for, for him is, is the right move now um, so yeah we're waiting for that any day um, any day and finally on, again. A, on, a, on another striker I know we've had loads of questions um, on Twitter about uh, Jordan Hugel, so I'll cover it all in one swoop now. Um, Val has touched on he could go. Um, I, I said to you, didn't I, the story from what he said last week. I didn't really understand what he was trying to say, really. He was sort of uh, quite hazy on the situation. You know, ha- What is the current situation at the moment, Joe? Is it just waiting to see what happens with Hugel, whether he goes back or, or whether he remains here till the end of the season? Yeah, so the, I asked Ishmael about Hugel on Friday, and like you said, I had to ask him twice because he didn't. But I asked him could his could his loan. Exp- I asked him had he spoken to Hugo based on the fact that look Daryl DK has come in to play in his position, so Hugo knows full well that his opportunities are going to be limited in the second half of the, of the season. We all know Daryl DK is going to hopefully be the main man. Um, so I asked Ishmael if um, if he's spoken to Hugo what he said, sort of outlined his plans for him for the second half of the season. And I also asked him, look, is there a chance Hugo's loan could end? I had to ask him twice. He answered the first question. He answered them, but he didn't really make, he wasn't clear on whether Hugo's loan could end. And then I asked him again if it could end. And he sort of said, well, yes, like anything. Can-. Again, he sort of gave the anything that's possible in January line. Um, but, but the answer before that, when he said he'd had a chat with him, he wasn't, he wasn't glowing a Hugo, it has to be said. Um, he sort of said that, that um, yeah. What did, what did he say? I've got a story in front of me now. Sometimes you have to make a decision. It could be painful for people, but it's important to make that decision to move forward and to make sure we do the right thing for the club. We want to see West Brom have success short term and long term. So some, at some point, you have to make decisions. So it didn't, it didn't, it didn't feel good for Jordan Hugel. Um, 
when that question was asked. And he didn't, in, Ishmael didn't dismiss the possibility of him going back to Norwich. Look, I think the situation we are in is as follows. I think Albion would happily send Jordan Hugel back to Norwich. If we're being honest, I don't think Norwich see a plan for Jordan Hugel in their squad in the Premier League. Norwich probably aren't going to recall Jordan Hugel because Albion are paying his wages or a significant portion of his wages as things stand. So there's no point in Norwich bringing him back and paying him every week not to play. I think they're more than happy for Albion to pay whatever proportion of wages they're paying Jordan Hugel. I would imagine that Hugel's agent and Norwich are trying to find Hugel another loan move. Um, and if they can get him another loan move, then they'll recall him and send him there. Um, and then Norwich get the salary contribution still. Jordan Hugel gets to play football still. Albion save money on Hugel's wages, potentially to reinvest in someone else. Um, but I think it will come down to, can Norwich and Hugel's agent find him another loan move? Um, and it's, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. He's, look, he's not pulled up any trees this season. What, what you would say is, Hugel's shown in the past he can score goals in the Championship. He's shown in the past he can be a real handful in the Championship. I think he needs to go to a team that plays two up front. He, he is the like 1990s football, little and large combination up front. That is what he suits. Um, so if there's any teams that play that way, then maybe they'd consider having him. Um, but as it stands, I just don't see any reason why Norwich would recall him, um, which is probably a shame for Albion. That's what I do think Albion need a backup to Daryl DK, sort of. I'm not against Hugo staying for the rest of the season at all. I think with the pressure off him, with DK being the main man, he could he could make a difference as a sub. He could be an impact sub. I'd rather have him than not. I, I don't want to go into the rest of the season with Albion's options as a central striker, Daryl DK and Matt Phillips. I, 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 I thought Phillips did well up against Brighton on Saturday, but for me, he's a right winger. So I'd certainly rather keep him than, than lose him and not bring anyone else in, but... Yeah, see what happens. Doesn't doesn't feel good for Hugo at West Brom, let's just say that. Thinking of adoption? We have all the information you need at Adoption at Heart, your regional adoption agency for the black country. Adoption at Heart provides adoption services for City of Wolverhampton Council, Walsall Council, Dudley Metropolitan Borough Council and Sanwell Children's Trust and is encouraging those who are considering adoption to come forward and take the next step. The Black Country Agency is appealing for adopters who can give our children lots of individual time, understanding and ongoing support and are looking to recruit adopters from within a diverse section of the community, irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, disability, race or faith. To start your adoption journey or to find out more, why not book onto the next virtual information event? Visit adoptionatheart.org.uk to see the next available dates and to book your place or, alternatively, you can call 01902553818. Being an adoptive parent can be challenging, but it also brings great rewards. If you're interested in finding out more, please contact Adoption at Heart today by visiting adoptionatheart.org.uk. Well, that covers off uh, a few questions and brings us nicely on to the, uh, the question section. We've got plenty from you Baggies fans. Apologies in advance. We're not going to be able to get them all in. Um, but there's a lot of Albion fans obviously asking about DK ahead of Saturday, Joe. Um, you know, we're assuming he's going to play. Um, Ollie underscore WBA just put DK on the bench or starting. Um, and then um, another Baggies fan has said DK fit to start. So what's your, um, how do you understand the situation, Joe? Will we see DK from the start on, on Saturday at Loftus Road? I think we'll probably see him from the bench. Um, so put story out tomorrow, ish quotes from Ishmael saying that basically DK's on a four-week, um, he's been put on a four-week intensive fitness programme since he arrived. Didn't train with, a, with a, he didn't train on grass last week, he didn't train with the team last week. His first week with Albion, he spent it with um, the medical team, the sports and science department, doing a lot of running, doing a lot of fitness work in inside, indoors, basically. Um, this week, out on the grass with his teammates, playing football, if you like. Um, well, not just a normal player, if you like, out training, out training as you would sort of expect footballers to train. But that is his first week training. He hasn't played since November. Um, and Ishmael said that he's going to... You can't just like turn on a switch and, and make him match fit. It just isn't going to work. So he, he basically needs, Ishmael said he needs three or four weeks to be at peak level, if you like. Um, he'll, he'll have had two weeks by the QPR game has come around. So look, 
I'd love to see him start. All fans would love to see him start, but none of us probably want him to start more than Ishmael. Like he, Ishmael, this is the, this is the man for Ishmael. This is the man he's wanted more than anyone. So I think we have to, the last thing we need is to rush him in and DK to pull a hamstring and be ruled out for six weeks. That would be an absolute disaster. But look, I'm not ruling him out starting, but I, I'm pretty confident. I, well, look, I expect him to start on the bench at QPR, which I think would be disappointing for a lot of people. Um, but like I said, no one wants him to start more than Ishmael. So I think, um, yeah, we'll just have to see. He'll definitely be involved. I think we'll definitely see him make his debut. Um, but yeah, the better man in me says he'll be on the bench. And, and Ishmael did point to the fact that in February, they've got games every three days. Um, it's a relentless period. So they really want him at his best for them. Absolutely. Uh, next question from George Woer. Um, don't know if that's a play on George Weir. Um, question about formations, Joe, uh, from what you said last week. Last week, Joe, you said you're a massive fan of formations. I am. Um, but reflected on how Val was so inflexible with his formations, you know, very sort of not stuck in his ways, but, you know, sticking to his principles. In your opinion, how should we shape up if we needed a better plan B? Interesting question. Oh, that's an interesting question. Put you on the spot a bit there, haven't I? How would I? I've talked about this a lot. I don't know. How, I don't. Uh... So I love formations. I literally read books about formations. I love. I love them. I'll read anything to do with formations. I think formations are massively undervalued in football, which is crazy because obviously Val thinks it's three four three no matter what. Um, I once saw a game actually where Tony Mowbray's Blackburn played Walsall in League One, and it was one of those games when. Walsall were 2 0 up at half time. It was one of those proper game of two halves, right? And no, sorry, Blackburn were 2 0 up at half time. Proper game of two. They were, Walsall were rubbish first half. Came out second half, completely different story. Scored early, and it was proper as you'd expect it to be. They were two, suddenly it was 2 1. They were at home, crowd behind them, big away end, like big, big, like crowd, like big, big club, sorry, playing against like the division's heavyweights, if you like. Banks was bouncing. And they were bat- also were battering Blackburn. It was it, they were laying siege to their goal. It was just a, a, a goal was coming, and I think Blackburn were playing something like four four two or something. And Tony Mowbray, with fifteen minutes to go or something like thirteen minutes to go, twelve minutes to go, changed to a four five one, and also didn't get another sniff in that game. That change completely changed the game. And I was like, wow, you've absolutely, that was brilliant. And then I've sort of been obsessed with formations ever since. And now you can like make these subtle little tactical differences that can have a massive impact on the game. And so, yeah, I am obsessed with formations. But so if it was me, I'd probably, I'd either play 3-4-1-2 or I'd play 4-3-3 if it was me. Now, if we're looking for a plan B, if we're, if we're saying 3 4 3 is plan A, Ishmael's plan A is 3 4 3. We're going with it. I go 3 4 3. Johnston, Townsend, Bartley, O'Shea, if it is Dreamland. Taylor Gardner Hickman. Livermore sitting as a holding midfielder. But that's so Townsend and Gardner Hickman can really, really bomb on. Livermore can like drop deep to make it a back three. Mowat, Malumbi, giving you loads of legs and energy. You have to go Carlin on the left for his goals, although I think that's, this would bring out the best in Grady, but you have to keep Carlin in. Obviously DK. And then I'll probably go Robinson on the right. That'd be my team. What would you do? Probably a 4-3-3. Quite like a 4-3-3. Are you going the same as me? Yeah, probably a 4-3-3. Don't know if, but don't know on, not sure on personnel, but it's nice to get a get an insight into a Joe Massey tactical masterclass. Yeah. I'd, love to see in the, I'd love to see you in the dugout. I think you'd be a suit manager. No, mate, it would not be a suit manager. Don't you reckon? No, yeah. I'm 100% track suit manager. Tony Pulis cap? I wear trainers to work. I <laughs> do. <laughs> <laughs> Shirt, trousers, trainers. I hope that's answered your question. Anyway, we've got uh, got a few more. Um, Clint McCormick, uh, when do you think we'll see Dara O'Shea in the squad? I think Millwall away in 18 days, maybe too soon, but possibly Sheffield United away 11 days later. Uh, so I need to look at the fixtures. Dar O'Shea is due for his first day of actual training on Monday. His first day of, of joining back with the group on Monday. 
So Daroche is very, very close to being involved, but he will have to have a couple of under-23 games. Um, so, there... Oh, I think he's training on Monday. There's actually a game on Monday, an under-23 game. I think it's Villa at Telford. Um, might be worth asking about, actually, if Daroche are playing that game. But, yeah, so he's very, very close. He's very, very, very close. Um, Millwall, yeah, maybe... May, I'd say Millwall early... But realistic, maybe. Probably that Sheffield United game. Yeah, that's probably a fair, a fair, um, fair time frame. But he's he's very close. He's very very close. Um, yep. He's just it's just the case now of giving him two three weeks of training, a couple of under twenty three games starting on Monday. That's when I know he's been penciled in to start training. Um, so he's getting there. And he's getting there, which is going to be brilliant because, yeah, he was. He was our best defender before I got injured. There you go. Hope that answers your question. We had a few on on O'Shea, so that'll answer them. Um, just finally, Anthony Keff, he's asked about six questions in one, but I'm just going to pick the top one out. Um, as we're halfway through the season, who has been your player of the season for Albion so far, Joe? Oh, who's been a player of the season? Uh, has to be Carlin Grant, I think. Just um, for his goals, really? Just for his goals, for no other reason. Just that goals are such... A, are the currency Albion are struggling like this with um, if you'd asked me after 15 games I probably would have said Moa but I think overall the amount of games played so far I think Carlin Grant's becoming Albion's most important player you'd like to think DK will take over that mantle um, but he's got nine hasn't he Carlin nine goals um, don't know how many assists he's got now probably th three for Callum maybe so 12 goal contributions for a team that has struggled for goals. No other way to say it that, that Albion have struggled for goals this season. So I think without Carlin, um, yeah, I've said it before, I worry where Albion would be, really. Um, he's, he, is, he, is, he has been player of the season so far, I think. There you have it. Thank you very much for your questions, Baggy fans. Ever so sorry. There was loads of, of great ones um, that we didn't manage to get through. There are a few that are sort of not time sensitive, so we might come back to a couple of them because there were some quite interesting points. But thanks very much for I feel your... like you have genuine pain when you don't ask someone's question. I know, I feel a bit guilty because there were so many guilty, good questions there today, but we, um, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day, isn't there, Joe? Um, so... So, yeah, but we'll, come, we'll potentially come back to a couple of them next week. Some very interesting points. So thanks very much for getting in touch. And we're just going to wrap up now um, by looking forward to, to QPR now. I've been doing a bit of John Motson stat digging oh, um, nice. ahead, of, ahead of this one. Some good news and obviously some bad news for Baggies. Unbeaten in five against QPR. They've lost once in the last six visits to Loftus Road. But Albion's, as we know, Albion's form isn't great. They've only lost three in the last 11, but they've only won three in the last 11. You know, the goals, are, as we know, have dried up. Um, would you say this is a not a must win, Joe? Um, but you know, as close to as it, as it can be. You know, Q, if QPR win on Saturday, they, they leapfrog Albion. Yeah, yeah. There's no there's no must wins, is there? After after 25 games or whatever we've played, but yeah, it's such a. It's. I mean, look for a 25 game for for the 26th game of the season or whatever it is for us. I don't think it could be any bigger. This is a massive game. Like it's massive, absolutely massive. I said on the podcast last week. I'd never thought we'd drop out of the top six this season. We have never been out of the top six, apart from after the opening day when we drew at Bournemouth. Um, I think we might have fallen out because we played on the Friday, so obviously we were joint top after that game. And then I think we might have been out after game, round one of games. We might have been like seventh or eighth. I can't remember, but. Obviously, we then won five games in a row. So, Albion have never been out the top six this season, really. Um, I genuinely never thought we would. I never thought we'd drop out. Um, a couple of people said a few weeks ago, we're heading towards dropping out. I wasn't having it. I, I, I really wasn't. Lose on Saturday, though. And, well, we'll definitely be fifth. Definitely. Because QPR... We'll just be on the cut. I think we'll, we'll just be in by goal difference, I think if whoever's in seventh wins from what I was, was looking before. So I'll be uh, hanging on by our fingernails, really, at the bottom of the playoffs. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, So we've got 
QPR, yeah, it was QPR got go bonus, they'll leapfrog us to fifth. They'll, they'll, they'll drop us to fourth. If Huddersfield win, we'll drop to sixth. Um, and then, yeah, it would be if Middlesbrough won, they'd be level on points of us, but we would, we, we would have a better goal difference. You'd like to think we're plus twelve, they're plus five. Obviously, they if they won, their goal difference would obviously increase. And if we lost, ours would go down. So it wouldn't. It, I mean, there's a seven goal swing there, so it's quite a big leap. But yeah, I mean, look. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine being sick from the table. I can't imagine looking over our shoulders. I can't imagine the disappointments come from that, really. So I think, like, it's a massive game. It's a massive game. QPR are a good side. They're a good, good side. They're competing for promotion this season. There's no other way to say it. This should be, like... I said, again, I keep saying I said it last week. Last week was the podcast really to preview this game because it's all I could be bothered to talk about. But... This is like our season split in two, basically. You'd like to think is is life before DK, life after DK. All right, he's probably going to be on the bench. We think on Saturday, but this is the first game of the DK era, if you like. It's the first game where everyone's been lifted by his arrival. It's a massive championship game. And we need to go like we don't want fourth. We don't we don't want to get any lower than that. We don't want to be looking over our shoulders any more than we already are. We've got to go there with the positivity of DK's arrival. We've got to go there and win the game. And we've got to go there and, and lift the mood because the aim is to compete for the top two. Like, it really is. The aim is to be battling for automatic promotion. And if we lose on Sunday, Saturday, it's just going to be like... It's just, it's just not... It's just going to be... It's just going to, well, it's going to be awful, really. It's going to be really depressing. Like, as good as QPR are, and they are a good side... Albion, Bournemouth, and Fulham should be blowing them away. Not every week, like they obviously, like you could lose the game, but Albion should be finishing comfortably above QPR this season, comfortably. So, so to go there and lose and to be leapfrogged by them would be really, really disappointing. Yeah, just on a on another point um, as well. Obviously, Shemi Ajayi's at the African Cup of Nations. Kipper is suspended now. You know. Is it anyone's guess who's going to line up in the in the back three? Joe, we've seen reach in there this season. Livermore did okay there, didn't he, against Reading? Um, is that surely that's going to be the way Val's going to going to have to go with his limited options at the back on Saturday? Yeah, so who have we got? We got we like to th- we like to think Carl Bartley would be available. He came off, he, he was struggling towards the end of the Brighton game, but Val afterwards said he didn't think it was too serious. He's a warrior, Bartley. Is it? I, I mean, I'm I'm expecting him to be absolutely fine. Um, Matt Clark will obviously come back into the team having not played against Brian, so two of the three are sort of taken care of. Then you're looking at who's the other options. It could be Connor Townsend, could be Adam Reach, could be Jake Livermore. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be a right-sided centre-half, isn't it? Just thinking of uh, of Clark will play on the left of a three. Does that lend itself more to Livermore, possibly? Potentially, but I think sometimes you just have to make doing games. Look, we all know Ishmael would rather have a right footer on the right and a left footer on the left. Um, but there have been the odd occasion this season where he just hasn't been able to do that, and this might be one of those times. Um, I wouldn't be against seeing Livermore in the back three again. I wouldn't. I would, do you know what? I wouldn't be against seeing Adam Reach that. It would probably go Townsend, which is probably what I wouldn't do because I, I'd like to, I'd like to keep Townsend at wing back just because I think he is the best crosser of the ball at the club. Um, but yeah, but at least if you bring Townsend, put uh, put Townsend there. Adam Reach can come in on the left, so. He's decent. He's done well there this season. So there's so many options there. Which way you'll go is I, I genuinely don't know. Um, it's going to be one of them where we just wait and have to see the team sheet. But plenty of options. Oh, look, the truth is Albion have been rock solid defensively this season. You can never say they haven't been. They've conceded the fewest amount of goals. They've got the lowest XG against. And the truth is, whoever comes in, they're probably going to they're going to be solid at Loftus Road because they just are solid. So it's not. I don't think it's anything to worry about too much. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting game. QPR when they came to Hawthorns, they they did QPR played some good football this season. They 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 tend to keep the ball in their own half a lot. That they retain possession. They're but they did they did play a bit at the Hawthorns early this season. But they did they did counteract their style as well. They did put a lot of men behind the ball. They definitely tailored their game plan quite significantly to face Albion. Um, and if we're being honest, they will feel 
cheated that they didn't get anything that day. They, they, I mean, they, they were comfortably 1-0 up with sort of 15 minutes to go. And then their keeper has had an absolute howler and basically threw one of Carl and Grant's shots in. And that lifted Albion and they went on to get a second. So they're going to be well up for it. Albion are missing a lot of players. It's a massive game. Massive game. Yeah, it is a it is a huge game. Just find it, you know, where do you see their threats coming from, Joe? Obviously, they've got Charlie Austin, who's, you know, bagged at some really important late goals for Albion in the in the last championship season under Slaven Bilic. Um, just on a on a bad stat that I dug out as well. Last time Albion lost at Loftus Road, they lost three um, two. No prizes for guessing who got a hat trick that day for QPR. Um, so, but hopefully he's not on uh, on form this uh, this Saturday. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Austin doesn't tend to start many matches for them, so. Look, he's a finisher, isn't he? But like, I wouldn't be overly worried about Charlie Austin, to be honest. The interesting one's Chris Willock. Um, he had a disastrous loan spell at Albion, really. He didn't get a kick. Um, and then we all saw how good he was on that day. We went to Huddersfield and they beat us just before when it looked like we blew automatic promotion. He's a good player. Um, he's a really good player. Um, he's got six goals, four assists this season. So he'll, he'll be a threat. Ilias Chair, brilliant championship player. Um, really, really good threat. Um, they've got some really good players QPR look I like Andre Gray they've got Lyndon Dykes up front as well of course but I like Andre Gray Andre Gray scored a really good goal at Hawthorne's early this season a player that's been linked to Albion a million times um, and it's, it's interesting isn't it because I think if we'd signed Andre Gray in the summer there would have been a an uproar really um, but he probably would have done a lot better than Jordan Hugel's done so they got threats all over the park. They got some, they're a good team. They're fifth in the table. I, look, I really like Mark Warburton as a manager. I don't think he's great with the press. You know, I've seen a few interviews with him where I think he's been rude for absolutely no apparent reason. But in terms of how he sets his teams up and the football he plays, I think he's he's a good he's a good manager and he's doing a good job there. So yeah, they'll probably go three four one two. Not too dissimilar to Albion. So it's going to be yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be fascinating. Looking forward to your, your trip down to the capital. Hopefully, you know, as we said there, it's a huge game. Hopefully, you know, DK can hit the ground running and make a name for himself straight away. Yeah, mate. Look, look I mean, I just love big games. Like, I mean, it's, it's just going to be an emotional one, isn't it? Like, I think if we come away with a win, we're going to be absolutely buzzing afterwards. If we come away with a defeat, we're going to be as flat it's as long, pancakes, aren't it's we? It's a long, a long way home. A long way home, Fingers crossed Albion can uh, can get back to uh, form in the league in the capital. Um, so we've covered an awful lot today. Um, just finally, uh, I was just going to add, um, I don't know, a couple of Albion fans have noticed, but in the, the videos me and Joe have been doing at the end of end of games, I've been sort of throwing in the odd pun. Now, Joe thinks I've rehearsed all these. Oh, he uh, definitely the, has. The first couple, the golf one at Derby was certainly off the cuff. That was probably my proudest career moment <laughs> achievement, really. Um, although my dad has compared me to... To, to Gary he said my poor Gary Lineker with his puns at the end of match of the day um, but we whipped one out on, on Saturday um, I've been racking my brains um, for the last few days ahead of, of QPR this weekend I've got a few up my sleeve but um, so you do plan them then I've pl- planned last week's the first two I didn't plan so you said la- last, last week's was planned um, but a couple of Baggies fans have been tweeting in, so if you've got any ideas, Baggies fans, I've got, <laughs> oh my I've God, got a few. Begging for puns. I've got a few up my sleeve, but if you want to suggest one, a few Albion fans have sort of been interacting and uh, have been uh, have been pleased with them. Oh, I sent you that, you that one tweet away the now, day. mate, because Twitter's just a naturally funny place, so people will just bail you out. I know, I'll, yeah, but I'll try. And, I've got one up my sleeve. If anything better comes in than that, I'll use that. What's your one up your sleeve? Yeah, I can't say. You'll have to wait till Saturday. Is it like capital punishment or something? That's a good one. Bit dark though. I'll be dished out some capital punishment. Capital punishment. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Do you like that? Yeah. I'll credit you for that one if I do have to use that one. But uh, but yeah, get in touch, Baggies fans. And uh, but that's all we've got time for today. We've loads to go through. As we say, you know, as as Joe has, has reiterated, a massive game on Saturday. Hopefully, we're back next week um, talking on a positive note about a win in the capital. So thanks very much for listening. Thanks for your questions. um, And thanks for listening to the Baggies broadcast. So from me, it's goodbye and goodbye from Joe. Goodbye. Don't send him any puns. Make him do the work himself. Thank you.